Let's jump into our, uh, our, our message this morning. Again, we're, we're looking at major lessons from minor prophets. And today, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Everybody say Habakkuk. 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 All right. Got to do it. Got a little phlegm in there. Habakkuk. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, history is often framed uh, by which nation has the most power. Uh, one way to understand whether an event happened, uh, uh, where an event happened in history is to uh, reference the nation that's in control, okay? Uh, that was when this nation was in control. Uh, you can focus in a little, a little bit on the details if, if you start with the bigger picture, uh, especially when you're studying biblical history. Looking at the big picture helps. For example, we know that, that if we're talking about the Egyptian period of biblical history, you know, we're going back near the beginning, you know, after the flood uh, and, and, uh, and the near, near the beginning of that period to earlier biblical history events uh, with Abraham and starting from there. When we refer to the Roman time period, uh, it includes the time of Jesus and the time of the, the, the birth of the church. Um, and in between those two time periods, the Egyptian period and the Roman period, is where most of the Old Testament happens, <laughs> between Egypt and Rome. Uh, the kings and the prophets uh, that we read about in, in our minor prophet study and, and even the major prophets fall in that time period. Uh, throughout that period, we see several nations that dominate and greatly impact each story that we read about in the Bible. And when I say biblical his history, I really could just say history uh, because uh, all the major benchmarks that you read about in the Bible, historically speaking, line up perfectly with all the historical records outside of the Bible. You know, the, the Bible doesn't have its own separate history. It kind of all works together because it's what happened, whether you're talking about Bible history or secular history. However, I, I do want to emphasize Bible history today because the Bible has a particular interest in following one nation. Through the ebb and flow of world empires, the Bible follows the nation of Israel. And we often find that, that even though those outside empires are, are not God-fearing nations, in, in fact, uh, almost exclusively outside empires are pagan nations, idol-worshiping, ungodly nations, um, Israel sits right in the middle of their history. So Im imagine a timeline with five empires starting at 0 B.C., that was just before Jesus was born, and tracking backwards. So at 0 B.C., Rome is in charge. Uh, before Rome, there was Greece. Uh, before Greece, there was Persia. Before Persia, there was Babylon. And before Babylon, there was what? Assyria, Assyria, five empires that dominate most of world history during that time period. Now, I went backwards then, let's go forward. So it's Assyria, Babylon, Persia, 
Greece, Rome, moving from the oldest to more recent. Now, these are hard times during this time period. There, there, there are many hard times for Israel during this time. Um, the nation we follow through the Old Testament, for the most part, has their story tossed and turned by these empires. Uh, you'd like to think that Israel could just live in some kind of little bubble, you know, off to themselves, not being affected by anything else, uh, any of the other world events that, that surround them. But that's not reality. There's no way you can take a whole nation and just live in a bubble. Um, not only that, but these outside empires are instrumental in how God works uh, to move and to direct the nation of Israel. Most notably, since we've been teaching through the Minor Prophets, we see that, that God has been more than willing to allow these empires to come into Israel and to just take over Israel, to capture them. Um, we see the word judgment when we, we talk about uh, this, this phenomenon of outside empires uh, controlling Israel. Israel turns away from God, and God doesn't leave them. God doesn't give up on them and, and, and just abandon them. Uh, but he does allow powerful outside nations sometimes to take them over, to judge them, to punish them. It's bizarre, bizarre, but God uses nations to discipline his people. Now, does that still occur today? Is God using Russia or China or uh, Iran or some of these other nations, the uh, uh, and, and, of course, the answer is very, very clear. Does he do it today? Uh, the answer is, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> could be. He certainly could if he wanted to. He might be using other nations to judge us. Of course, America is not God's chosen people. Christians are God's chosen people, and we live in America. Um, but we'll have to ask God, you know, were you using Russia? Were you using China uh, to, to judge us during history? Uh, Nazi Germany? Uh, Imperial Japan, uh, we'll have to ask him, because I don't know, I don't know, we can speculate that, but we do know this, in the Old Testament, absolutely, God used empires, surrounding empires, uh, to, to move and to judge Israel, but how did he do that, how did he do that, uh, it's not always, it, it wasn't always miraculous, you know, when when, uh, when this happened, uh, it's really the opposite of miraculous, God just let it happen. He just let it happen. Um, knowing that his plan to save the world through Jesus was going to happen no matter what, um, in God's perfect judgment, he would often just allow the world to turn. And he would allow the people of Israel to make their choices and the people of these nations to make their choices. And we know in our own lives that choices have consequences and sometimes those consequences would mean that these empires would affect Israel. We know that there were times when Israel was faithful. It was a roller coaster. We've talked about a lot during this series. Sometimes they were faithful, sometimes they were not. Sometimes, though, they were faithful. And when they were, God would do miraculous things to, to protect them. Uh, he would even miraculously help them win a battle against one of these enemies. 
Um, when Israel was greatly outnumbered, they could still, with God's help, they could still defeat massive armies. But as their faithfulness would disappear, so did God's protection of them. Now, that's not to say that, that bad things only happen when, when they or we are unfaithful. Uh, certainly, there are plenty of examples in life, in our life, uh, where uh, the evils of the world affect the faithful. You know, bad things happen to good people, and, and that's just a, a fact of, you know, I, uh, I, I'm just saying that, that as we read through the Bible, we, we have a, a specifically revealed pattern that happens to Israel. God was greatly involved in the rise and the fall of the empires that surrounded Israel. And so we, we have this zoomed out vision of God and, and nations and how and where the Jewish nation fit in, in with them in their mix. But when we zoom in to just one sliver of a timeline during this time, we find often a prophet. Uh, we find a messenger of God who brings the word of God to Israel during a, a specific time to an audience of people to tell them, to teach them what God's will was, who God was, and what they should be doing, what they were doing wrong. Habakkuk is that guy today as we zoom in to his time period. Um, but his book is, is a little bit different than some of the other uh, minor prophets that we've looked at. You see, as you read Habakkuk, you realize that Habakkuk has, has got a problem with God. And some of the other prophets do kind of complain a little bit too, but Habakkuk especially has a problem with God. There's three chapters in the book of Habakkuk, and, and, and the three chapters are a back-and-forth dialogue between Habakkuk and God. Habakkuk complains to God, and then God responds to his complaint. Habakkuk doesn't like his response, and so he lets him know that he doesn't like the response, uh, and he complains again. God responds again, and it goes back and forth. Um, now, these prophets uh, aren't much different than you and me in the way they react to God. Um, you know, when you zoom into Habakkuk's life, we see uh, the empires and the evil uh, that's around him. Uh, and just like with us, he doesn't understand. Why is this evil around us, God? How many times have we wondered that? And so he cries out to God, hey, God, what's going on? What's going on? This week, we get a major lesson from the minor prophet when Habakkuk asks God, hey, what's going on? What's going on? I mentioned uh, those five empires leading up to 0 D BC, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. Um, Habakkuk is a major prophet in the period that we often call the pre-Babylonian period, which means it's the time between the first two world empires, Assyria and, and Babylon. Uh, in this time, at this time of history, Assyria, who uh, it was the powerful reigning empire is fading. They're falling. Their power is diminishing. And Babylon is rising. Their power, their power is getting stronger. And so they will eventually overcome Assyria as the world power. 
but they've not gotten to the point, Babylon has not gotten to the point where they've moved east towards Israel and are giving them any trouble yet. So it's the pre-Babylonian period, but that's about to change. That's about to change. So to start out, Habakkuk mentions actually no beef against Babylon. His, his first complaint to God isn't about Babylon because Babylon's not an issue right now. His first complaint is actually concerning his own people, the Jewish people of Israel. The issue at hand uh, is that Israel has turned from God. Um, and, and it was really bugging Habakkuk that they had done that. Israel was acting evil. They, were, they had violence, injustice, adultery, uh, you name it. They were doing it. And here is Habakkuk's complaint to God, not about Babylon, but about his own people. Chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. He writes, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, Violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Now, you might first read that and think, oh, okay, that's about one of those empires. That's about Babylon. But no, that's Habakkuk's talking about his own people. I mean, they, were, they had turned evil, as they often did. You know, it, it, it wasn't just the outside nations that were evil, that needed judgment. Uh, many times Israel <laughs> was guilty of evil uh, and needed, needing judgment. Um, and, and it's gotten out of control. And so he complained, Habakkuk complains to God about that. And God says, okay, I hear you, man, I hear you. And he gives Habakkuk a response, verse 5 through 11. Look at the nations and watch. And be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, Fiercer than wolves at dusk, their cavalry gallops headlong, their horsemen come from afar, they fly like an eagle swooping to devour, they all come intent on violence, their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand, they mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen rams. They capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Whew. Habakkuk complains to God uh, and says, Israel's terrible, God. Got to do something. Got to do something. What's going on? How long, how long are we going to have to wait for you to do something about how evil Israel is? And God rolls up his sleeve and says, okay, I'll do something. Uh, I, I'm going to do something, and you're not going to believe it. <laughs> you're not going to believe it. I hear you, buddy, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send the ruthless, dreaded, feared 
powerful Babylonians to fix your problem and to judge Israel. And, and Habakkuk's like, wait, what? <laughs> you're going you're gonna to do what? You ever, you ever have someone complain and, uh, about a problem and then you give them the solution, the, the solution that you think they need, and, and then they think, you know what? It's really not that bad. <laughs> you know, I, I, I take it back. I take it back. Uh, let, let's just forget about the whole thing. <laughs> That's kind of where Habakkuk is. Immediately, Habakkuk puts, puts on the brakes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, God, wait. Wait. Are you serious? That's how you're going to solve our problem? Babylon? Verse 12 through 13. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judge them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? God, you're good. You're good. How in the world could you, being so good, team up with evil? And so now this, this is Habakkuk's next complaint to God. You know, how does, how does God do this? And, and, and he doesn't understand. And so the answer is God chooses to allow Babylon to sweep in and judge Israel. And, and Habakkuk, as you can understand, is not okay with that. <laughs> That's not what he was thinking. I don't know what he was thinking, but that wasn't it. You know, how can you, God, so holy and good, tolerate the wicked? Babylon. And then he says, are you endorsing a nation that is even less righteous than us? Yeah, we're bad, but man, they're even worse. <laughs> so you're teaming up with somebody that's even worse than us to fix us? All of a sudden... Israel's not looking so bad at Habakkuk. You know, let, let's, uh, let's rethink this, God. No, no, Habakkuk, you're right. Israel is evil. I agree with you 100%. You can't take it back. You can't take it back. And so this is where we find our word for the day, our word for Habakkuk. And for each minor prophet, we've had a word that can help us remember what that was about. And so uh, Joel was the first one. What was the word for Joel? Locust. Obadiah. What was the word for Obadiah? Petra. Uh, Micah. What was the word for Micah? Restoration. Restored. Will be restored through Jesus. Uh, Nahum was the Hebrew word. Dean. D-I-Y-N. Pronounced Dean. And today's word for Habakkuk is... Really, it's two words. Watchtower. Watchtower. Everybody say watchtower. Watchtower. Okay. Listen to what Habakkuk says in chapter 2, verse 1. He said, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. 
In other words, Habakkuk doesn't like God's answer to uh, his solution to the problem. And so he tells God, I don't, I don't agree with this, God. I don't agree with this. How could you use Babylon to judge Israel? They're so evil. And then he goes and he stands up on, uh, to, uh, stands watch on the ramparts of, 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 of the fort or a building. Uh, and some versions say that he sat on his watchtower waiting for God to respond. He just went up there just to, to steam and to watch how he's going to respond. You know, and, and if this sounds like he's sort of being like a spoiled child, yeah, he is really. He is. And, of course, I think uh, it's easy for us to say, well, you should, you should just trust God in this. But I, I, I got a feeling I know I would probably have done the same thing. What? I don't agree with you, God. I don't agree with this solution to the problem. Um, God replies in verse 2 through 4. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by faith. The righteous person will live by faith. In other words, um, it's going to be Babylon. I'm sorry. That's my plan. Um, Habakkuk has not persuaded God to do something else. God says, that's what I'm going to do, and here's what I need you to do. Trust me. Trust me. The righteous live by faith. You know, God is not unaware that Babylon is evil. You know, he doesn't have the wrong impression of them. Um, you know, he, he's not endorsing, he's not teaming up with an evil nation. You know, chapter 2 finishes up with, with a list of, of evils that nations like Babylon commit that is very obvious, and God is very aware of these evils, like greed, injustice to the poor, bloodshed, building their empire on the backs of enslaved people, corruption of leadership. Uh, they're greedy, they're drunk, they're murderous, they're sex crazy, they're idol worshipers. You know, God understands these are evil people. It's all written there in chapter 2. Uh, God is not in league with Babylon. Verse 20, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Now Habakkuk sits in his metaphorical watchtower questioning God's ways. Basically accusing God of supporting evil. Just because he doesn't understand God's plan. Uh, and, and that's not a good position to be in with God, is to complain to him about and accuse him of coordinating with evil. Uh, but things move very quickly with Habakkuk. In chapter 3, we see Habakkuk, as he's sitting up in his watchtower, you know, he begins to think, and he begins to, 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 uh, to mull over what, what, what God has said and, and who God is and who Babylon is and how God works. And Habakkuk 
becomes humbled. Eventually, he just, he works it out. You know, he had a knee-jerk reaction that all of us would have had. Uh, but, but he thinks about it, and he's humbled. And after he's humbled, chapter 3, he writes a poetic prayer of trust in God's ways. Chapter 2, chapter 3, verse 2. Habakkuk writes, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. You know, Habakkuk is reminded of God's faithfulness, his holiness. And he says, you know, I've heard of your fame, and I've read about it, and I've learned about it. You're famous, God, for being good. And then he says, um, be good again to us. <laughs> Repeat that goodness for us. Do it again in our time. He's heard about uh, Egypt and Pharaoh and how God rescued, showed both wrath against Pharaoh and, and against the people of Israel. But then he showed mercy to the people of Israel. Uh, and he'll do it again. Uh, he's heard about the Philistines and the Midianites and other nations that God has dealt with in perfect balance of patience and judgment. And he'll do it again. He'll do it again. He's the same God, and he works the same way he always does. Now, these three chapters uh, are a bit of a roller coaster for Habakkuk between him and God, um, and it goes by pretty quickly. But Habakkuk comes out of this wrestling match with God better off. He understands. He understands. He had a bad reaction at first, but he comes around. And he's determined to move forward with trust and joy. Even though he knows Babylon's on the way, okay, God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to find joy as I put my faith in you. Let's read verse 16 through 19 of chapter 3. I heard, and my heart pounded, <clears throat> pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I will stand patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. You know, this is the, the ancient prophet Habakkuk for Israel. So as we look at, at this story, um, is there a message for us today from the story of Habakkuk? I think there, if, there ever, if there ever was a message it's, it, for us today, it's right here. <laughs> it's right here. Um, and it's going to be simple. And the message is just chapter 2, verse 4. The righteous live by faith. The righteous live by faith. Um, you know, there are, there's a time for wrestling with God. All of us have probably wrestled, wrestled with him 
from one, for one degree of another with God. Um, it, it's pretty clear throughout Scripture you know, that it's okay not to understand God's ways sometimes. How many of us have gone, what? what's going on? Why did you do it that way? Why did you let that happen? And we call out to him and we complain. You know, why? Why did that happen? Um, but there comes a time for all of us, you know, hopefully relatively soon after we've wrestled with him for a while, uh, that we just need to go, okay, now I got to move on to faith. I don't understand this, so I've just got to move on to faith. The word is watchtower because we've got to get out of our watchtower, get off of our high horse, and set our sights on faith. I'm not just going to stand here and question you. I'm going to put my faith in you. Got to stop relating any of the evils of this world to God. You know, sometimes we think God is causing the evil. He's, he's causing it. He's not just allowing it to happen. He's causing it. God doesn't do evil. He doesn't cause evil. Uh, we don't need to question his goodness as Habakkuk was doing. Because time after time after time, God has proven in the end, every single time, evil will not win. God always wins every time. Every time. John chapter 1 verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, and it never will. Habakkuk chose to trust and to find joy when faced with the darkness of the world. He decided to, to choose trust and joy when he faced the darkness of the world. Verse 17 through 19. Though the fig tree does not, uh, we read earlier, we'll read again. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. You know, I want us to know that, that faith in God, faith in God is the only thing that's going to bring us through whatever comes next. It's the only thing that can bring us through whatever darkness we face in our life. You see, unlike Habakkuk, you know, I... I, I can't stand up here and tell you what's coming next. Habakkuk could say to the people, Babylon's coming because God told me so. You know, uh, I can't stand up here and say, China's coming because God told me so. You know, I don't know what's coming. And I can't pretend that I do. I can't tell you what, what the next empire is or the next virus that's coming or the next natural disaster or whatever it is that's, that's coming, because I, I don't know. I'm not a prophet like Habakkuk was, and God has not come to me and given me a message like that. Um, and I don't want to be doom and gloom, but, but, but if you just watch the pattern of history, and if it continues to repeat itself like it, 
like it did all the way back to the very beginning to the Egyptian times. Uh, And if God doesn't come back, guess what? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when darkness is going to come. There is more darkness to come, folks, because we live in a fallen world filled with sin and sinful people and sinful empires. Mankind has always existed in the midst of that, and we still do today. And, and we, don't, we don't have to be told about the darkness that seems to be creeping in to us in America. Um, we, we look around and less and less people seem to be turning to God or even know about God. And more and more people, uh, evil people are, are surrounding us and trying to creep in and take over. I saw the other day where this guy was, was I think he was on a com- camp, college campus and he was with a microphone, he was just reading the Bible. That's all he was doing, just reading the Bible. And these, these crazy people, dark, evil people, I'll just call them that, came around at him and just were shouting him down and shouting him down and shouting him down. And one of them reached and snatched his Bible out of his hands and started eating the pages. It's a dark world out there, and it's getting darker and darker and darker, but it always has. It's always been that way. I tell you what, it's not near, not even close to the way it was with when Babylon came in and took over Israel. Darkness is around us and it always will be. I can't tell you how the darkness is going to come. I can't predict the future of the way it's going to come. But the good news is we don't need to know the details. We, we don't need to know. Because I can give you hope for every single scenario. You know, and it's not the elections on Tuesday. <laughs> I encourage you to go vote. And I think I, I encourage you to, and I'm not going to endorse any candidates, but I'm going to say, you know, use your, your godly conscience to choose the person that you will vote for. Uh, and, and sometimes a godlier Government can help push the darkness back a little bit, uh, and hopefully it will. But the hope is not in our government. It's not in the election on Tuesday. Um, I can give you the answer for every single income, income outcome when, when, uh, when darkness surrounds us. It's this, and Habakkuk discovered it. The Lord is holy. The Lord is good. He has it under control, even though it doesn't feel like it and it doesn't seem like it. He had it under control with Israel and Babylon. He's got it under control with us today. He's done it before. He'll do it again. So let's choose trust. Let's choose joy. Let's choose faith. Father, I thank you so much for this wonderful promise that you have given us. That's where we find our joy at, Lord, is not in the fact that everything's all hunky-dory and sunshine and roses all the time, because it's not. Sometimes it is, but a lot of times it's not. That's not where we find our joy, Lord. We find our joy when we put our trust in you, no matter what darkness surrounds us, whether it's a sickness or an outside enemy or, or an inside enemy or 
or financial troubles or, or whatever it might be, Lord. Um, joy can be found in when we put our trust and our faith in you. So help us to help us to go vote on Tuesday if we haven't already. But help us to put our trust and our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.